Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And for Jim Smalley today, I'm Josh Sigurdsson. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, offering fuel, food, and drinks on Highway 13. Arcola Co-op, you're at home here. Today we'll talk about just how bad Saskatchewan's grasshopper problem is, and we'll take a look at the grain markets. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Filling in for Jim, here's Josh Sigurdsson. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. The severe drought is fueling an increase in grasshopper populations. At the start of the year, the provincial survey map only showed the potential for a couple of hotspots in the east-central and southwest regions. However, nymph survival rates have been very high under the hot, dry conditions. Saskatchewan's insect pest management specialist James Tansey says there are four main types of grasshoppers, two-striped, clearwing, migratory, and packard. Probably mid-July were the first reports for clearwing. For the other species, the two-stripe, which has a a little bit broader host range, those reports have been coming in probably for the last three weeks, four weeks, uh, and and seem to be increasing. So a lot of spray going down for two-stripe grasshoppers, primarily in uh, northeastern regions, central regions, and a little bit in the southeast. The southwest uh, getting lots of reports of migratory grasshopper. And uh, as the name implies, they can fly a considerable distance, and uh, we've been getting reports of those for a few weeks now. There are two main control products for grasshoppers. These include products with the active ingredient chlorpyrifos and uh, another product called Corrigen. And both of these products have been in, in relatively short supply with the, uh, the amount of spray going down. It sounds like supplies of Corrigen seem to be uh, increasing, so uh, availability is, is becoming better, but uh, growers may still have a hard time getting a hold of some of these products. Grasshoppers could be around for several more weeks, depending on weather conditions. If we look at two-stripe, which seems to be the prevalent species in the province right now that's causing problems, I mean, they can continue ovipositing right to October. So that is laying eggs in the soil. And so they could be active in laying eggs, again, right till October, weather permitting. What we're seeing with the populations of those is uh, uh, we haven't really seen peak damaging with a lot of these populations uh, of two-stripe and also with packards. So there's still lots of nymphs. Uh, albeit, you know, pretty big nymphs, but, uh, you know, the population isn't, isn't 100% adults uh, at this point yet, so there's, there's still more to come. The grasshopper outlook for next year isn't very promising unless we see a big change in weather patterns this fall and next spring. Cool, wet weather has a big effect on mortality. 
both for, you know, eggs in the soil and for nymphs. If you're a little grasshopper baby, there's a lot of bad things that can happen to you from a predation and disease point of view. So if it's hot and dry, there's the potential for another increase in grasshopper populations, you know, coupled with greater survivorship. So, I mean, really what we're seeing this year is, is more of a, a reflection of survivorship. Each of these girls can put, you know, 350 eggs in the ground. So if you get good survivorship of that, you know, you're going to get an increase in populations. James Tanzi is Saskatchewan's insect pest management specialist. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Josh Sigerson. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eastroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEastroffs.ca. And Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronic specialist. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. Deferred delivery contracts are usually a good way to manage price risk. You lock in a portion of the expected crop at a profitable price and then make the delivery after harvest. Unfortunately, the drought has cut yields so much that some farmers will not be able to produce enough crop to meet the deferred delivery contract. The resulting penalties will be expensive in light of higher commodity prices. Kevin Hirsch is an agricultural journalist and consultant who also has a weekly column in the Western Producers and farms in the Cabri area in southeast, southwest Saskatchewan. And he spoke with CJWW's Neil Millinger. In this area, there's lots of active God contracts on specialty crops. So if you don't grow the crop, you're not on the hook for it. But on a deferred delivery contract, producers, I think, got a little of the belief that, oh, we, we can never have a big crop failure. We've had dry years before, but, man, we're still able to produce a, you know, a, a reasonable crop. So, And prices were looking so attractive that everybody wanted to be able to lock in some of that in case they went the other direction. But there are many producers that uh, have over-contracted, and buying out of those contracts is very expensive. And by the same token, there's no easy way to buy out right now until some new crop is available. There's nothing to replace that product with. In a normal year where the price spread between the contract price and the market price is not so large and there's not so many people in the same boat, it's easier to work on solutions on a case-by-case basis. This year, there's less wiggle room for producers and grain companies and by the same token, I'm of the belief that you signed the contract, you knew what you were getting into, or you should have, and sometimes you're going to have to take a hit when you're on the wrong side of a, a contract like that. Yeah, the grain company should try to treat you fairly, and then there's maybe things that they're not doing as well as they should. But by the same token, you did sign the contract. Uh, if you want to be treated like a business person, you, you honor your contracts. And the grain companies, I'm assuming, have, have done the same thing. They're also on the hook for their customers down the line, too. That's the thing. It's not, oh, if the grain company could let us out of this. Well, the grain company has forward sold that grain to someone else. So if they don't have the grain to sell, they're on the hook for it. And the price has gone up, so it's, it's that much more expensive for them to try to replace and fill that contract that they have. So it's not an easy situation for anybody if they had the latitude to be lenient, they would do it and maybe still will do it to some extent. And I think there'll be a lot of things done on a case-by-case basis uh, depending upon the situation. But I think it's great to keep the lines of communication open with the grain company as, as we try to deal with this contract situation. For some of the younger producers, this would be their first 
major drought in their farming careers. Uh, veteran producers like yourself remember 88. How do you compare now and uh, 1988? 88, it was, it was probably drier than this year. We went into the spring with no moisture. It was dry in the fall of 87 and just never rained. I can remember camping at Pike Lake on early June, and that's when we set some, some weather records in that 40-degree range that fried everything. A lot of summer follow back then, so crops, even though they were grown on summer follow with two years moisture, didn't germinate. What did germinate produced a really measly, measly yield. So 88 was a bad year over a very large area. And 2001, 2002, that time frame, there were some, some serious problems too, but probably not as widespread as, as 88. What's really surprised me this year is that I would have thought the cereals, uh, Durham and barley, would do better than many of the other crops in a really dry year. It's lentils that are looking like there's maybe a bit of yield there. Peas look like there's a bit of yield there. It's some of the cereals that have really dried up to, to nothing really have not been drought or heat tolerant, whichever it was, that are a bigger disappointment than many of the specialty crops. Looking ahead after this harvest, when, when it gets done, if it's uh, late August, early September for some people, uh, the drought's not going away unless we get a lot of fall rain or winter snow or early spring rain uh looking ahead to 2022 um there's there's got to be a, a a lot of concern out there it's scary when things are this dry we need a huge amount of precipitation to recharge soil moisture and recharge optimism it's going to be hard making uh, investments for the next growing season when the the soil moisture reserves are basically completely depleted. So at some point it's got to rain. People maybe don't want rain right now with lentils desiccated and about to be harvested, but we've got to take rain whenever it comes, and hopefully it it comes in abundance to turn this around. Yeah, and grasshoppers too, that's another thing to throw in the mix. Grasshoppers have, have really bounced in population. And look, they're flying already. They're laying eggs already. We could have months of egg-laying capability. So we could with, uh, have a huge grasshopper problem next year, particularly if it stays dry. Kevin Hirsch is an agricultural journalist and consultant who also farms in the Cabri area about 65 kilometers northwest of Swift Current. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147, Sirius XM. I am joined by Dr. Kim Stanford. She's at the University of Lethbridge. Dr. Stanford, how are you doing? Not too bad, Sean. Well, we're going to talk about ergot today and some of the work that you were doing at the University of Lethbridge. You know, ergot's something that I'm not sure what the trend is. My my perception is that we're starting to see more of it uh, across the prairies. We we were, but then with this, like, it's like any time you start a study, you can cure the problem when you're trying to look for samples. So as soon as we started our ergot project, then it got a bit drier. And dry weather, like we have been having, 
Um, there's not so much ergot. I would say there'd be very little ergot this year, but mm. before we started our study, ergot was uh, gradually increasing, um, getting, you know, going from almost zero 20 years ago to becoming quite, quite alarming, especially here, here in Alberta. Yeah. And, and one of the challenges, of course, is that, you know, for the grain farmer, that ergot can be essentially mechanically removed from, from the sample to, uh, to be sold to a, a, an elevator. But, you know, the result of that is <laughs> those screenings or sometimes that, that yeah. sample of product ends up, you know, in being cattle feed or, or livestock feed, which creates some challenges for the producer. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's where our work is coming in. Um, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has, like, they set the regulations for how much ergot uh, is, uh, is allowed in, in various classes of livestock feed. But those are all being, all of their mycotoxin um, allow, uh, allowances are being reviewed right now. So we wanted to get in to try to help determine, like do some, like have some science-based information to help set what, what the allowable limits um, should be for, for um, ergot alkaloids in, in um, cattle feed. And <laughs> it, it's, it's not an easy question to answer. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Hogs are more like they're they're more sensitive to ergot than than cows are correct. That that's right. And chickens are they are they're they're like the ergot superstars. They can handle more ergot than than other than other livestock species. So it is very much species um, related. But the there's all different kinds of. It's not just one ergot alkaloid. Like there are a number of these toxic alkaloids that can be present in ergot um, in, in varying concentrations. Um, so wh- whenever there's, there's more than one kind of toxin and these are interacting with each other and yeah, it, it gets to be, it gets to be quite difficult to say, even if you have an analysis of that feed, um, what, how that's going to affect going to affect your livestock just so, be, just with yeah what, what does the what does the toxin do to the to the cow like what what's what's the process that happens here that creates a problem well it does that's that's another one of the the issues they they do a, quite a few different things so it makes it somewhat difficult to even diagnose if you if you're cattle have had um, too much ergot. So one of the um, major things is uh, causes vasoconstriction, so reduces the blood flow. Um, but that can do things like just make it, make it look like your cattle are a bit lame, like so showing just lameness, or you can have your whole um, ears and um, tail necrosis where it just it dies and basically falls off and be on your hoof too so it could look like they've just had their ears frozen or their tail frozen um it can also do things like make make the um cattle very susceptible to heat stress 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in with no appointment necessary or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today we'll see a mix of sun and cloud with a risk of a thunderstorm later on. It'll be hazy, windy, and a high of 28. Tonight, partly cloudy with that risk of a thunderstorm carrying over until after midnight. Hazy, windy, and a low of 16. Tomorrow we'll see a mix of sun and cloud with a risk of a thunderstorm in the afternoon with widespread smoke, windy, and a high of 30, and a low of 15. Sunday, a mix of sun and cloud, a high of 27, low of 13. Monday, cloudy with a good chance of showers, high of 21, low 13. Tuesday, sunny and high of 26, low 13. Wednesday, also sunny with a high of 26 and a low of 13. And Thursday, sunny and a high of 29. The normal high for this time of year is 26 degrees and the normal low is around 11. The sun rose at 534 this morning and will set at 835 tonight. Around the province right now in Estevan, it's 25, Saskatoon and Weyburn at 27, and Yorkton is also at 25. Right now in Moose Jaw, there's haze. The wind is out of the south-southeast at 24, gusting to 35 kilometers an hour, and it's 30 degrees. Right now in Regina, there's smoke with the wind out of the south-southeast at 24, gusting to 34 kilometers an hour, and it's 28 degrees. That's the weather. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Covering for Jim Smalley, here's Josh Sigerson. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, mcdougalauctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. It's been an extraordinary year for the markets, and trying to predict what's going to happen next has been no easy task. Dean Thorpe spoke with Errol Anderson of Pro Market Communications in Calgary this week to try to get an update. Weather is still uh, front and center. Um, you know, we, we're at the point where certainly rain would be um, would help, but uh, the damage has already been done. So these grain prices are still uh, amazingly strong. And you know, looking at the wheat market as well, um, you know, new news that we received this week is that Russian uh, wheat yields will be down. And so that's just another factor that's pushing these markets up. We've seen the Minneapolis December contract move up a doll, up above $9 per bushel. Uh, looking at the bids right now, those 1CWRS 13.5% uh, bids are now in that 1025 to 1075 per bushel range. You know, those feed wheat bids are really strong. You know, the 950 to $10 per bushel. And we're seeing the Durham market just absolutely explode. It's uh, in a very wide range between 12 to $15 per bushel. So certainly um, uh, weather is front and center, and we're going to look forward to see what type of yields are going to come off these fields. What's uh, canola been doing the last couple of weeks since, since we talked? 
Well, you know, the canola market's actually pulled back slightly. Um, and, and the reason for it is uh, we've seen the soy complex in the U.S. move down a bit. Uh, soybean prices have moved down about 10%. Uh, soy oil has moved down about 10% since about mid-June. Uh, the soy meal prices actually on the futures have moved down as much as 20%. Um, one of the reasons that we're seeing is China and Hong Kong are going through some financial issues right now. Their stock markets are under some form of pressure. Uh, it's created a little bit of uncertainty, and the Chinese demand has been rather quiet. So it's calmed us down. The November contract right now, we believe, has heavy resistance at $890 a metric ton. Now, if we do start to move down, uh, we believe that the major support is around $800 a metric ton. So our canola market right now is extremely volatile and very unpredictable. Let's talk about the dollar. Uh, it wasn't that long ago we were saying that the dollar was around $0.83 cents U.S. It hasn't been there now for a while. In fact, it's struggling to make $0.80 cents at this point. Where do you see the dollar going? Well, I think 80 cents now is the new resistance. Um, and uh, one of the reasons why we're seeing a little bit of pressure is that the crude oil market is actually moving off its highs. Crude oil has now moved down about 7%. Uh, we're cl- closer to $67 a barrel on West Texas right now. Uh, I believe that the range on the loonie is the top end is 80 cents, with the bottom end right now about 78 cents. So. Um, for now, a uh, little bit cooler tone to um, the loony overall. That's Errol Anderson with Pro Market Communications in Calgary. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Filling in for Jim, here's Josh Sigurdsson. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The drought in Manitoba is garnering a lot of media attention. Manitoba Beef Producers President Tyler Fulton says some major news organizations, including the New York Times, have done stories on the current drought situation in Manitoba and the rest of the prairies. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of gotten to be uh, uh, get, get some pretty significant coverage. There was also another one on the Washington Post a, a week or two ago. Fulton says the situation in Manitoba, like other provinces, is dire. We've got regions that um, that really didn't have much for snow. They were coming off of a three-year drought and uh, and never got the spring rains that they needed, um, and so there were huge areas um, in excess of you know, 100,000 acres that uh, that where where pastures didn't come out of dormancy, and um, and producers never stopped supplemental feeding, um, which is just unheard of. Uh, it's it, we've we've not seen that before in well in uh, in my uh, farming career, anyways. And and uh, so simply we we knew that uh, there needed to be swift action that was taken. Uh, and so Manitoba Beef Producers has been working pretty diligently for the last uh, three months, really, um, to address the situation. Um, so the latest, really, is that uh, we put forward a submission to our provincial government um, for a number of different changes, um, some of which include livestock tax deferral changes, um, the, they announced um, some of those regions already, and, and most of southern Manitoba has been included, but we'd like to see some other changes associated with that. We'd also like to see um, them open up agri-stability um, for, for late entry. Um, 
and with with no uh, no penalties. And um, probably most significantly, uh, we're we're looking for uh, a two-pronged approach to an agri-recovery program. And what I mean by that is we know that uh, feed costs are through the roof because it's such in such short supply, and um, we need to support those producers that uh, that can figure out a way to maintain their animals. Um, in in that sense, but. The second prong is also to recognize the fact that there are um, whole herds that have now been sold off, um, really completely undermining the economic viability of those farms um, for for years to come. And so uh, they're going to have to build back from nothing. And it's, uh, it, it's obvious that they need some support in order to recognize the huge equity loss that they that they have experienced and and that we will uh, will continue to see those numbers move um, those those cattle move to markets uh, reflecting the reality that there's just not the feed for them Fulton says Manitoba and Saskatchewan are hardly alone in dealing with the drought it stretches across Western Canada yeah it's uh, it's that's what's really remarkable about this situation is that uh, it, it does span. Now, I said there's there is pockets here and there that are um, that are not as bad as others, but it spans from northwestern Ontario all the way to BC, and and so that's why that's why we we, we we're, we're pretty confident that we just we there's no area in that um, in that spot that is in abundance of feed. And, and hay and forage. So that's why we know that fo- that producers are going to be forced to, to feed alternative uh, crops, you know, like uh, droughted out uh, cereal crops that have been taken or, or perhaps uh, s- straw with, uh, you know, with DDGs or, you know, other, other items that, um, that a cow can make good use of, but we've just never been forced to, to look for those alternatives that are typically, um, you know, twice uh, as expensive as, as what our normal feed ingredients are. Tyler Fulton is the president of Manitoba Beef Producers. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Once again, in for Jim Smalley, I'm Josh Sigurdsson. The Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you're a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And brought to you by Sask Pork, Saskatchewan's growing and vibrant hog industry creates economic spin-offs and career opportunities in our rural communities. Find out more by visiting sasspork.com. Grain prices showed upward movement this morning as Durham was unchanged at 543.24, feed barley was unchanged at 294.65, canola boosted up $7.30 to 853.12, flax was unchanged at 776.39, lentils were up $22 to 854.50, oats were unchanged at 298.53, yellow peas were unchanged at 440.89. Feed wheat was unchanged at 261.65, and one red spring wheat was up $7.88 to 366.33. Back in a moment. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn today at 842-4574. Now the latest Livestock Quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moose Jaw. Just under 400 on offer at our Tuesday regular sale. 
The cow and bull market looked like it was steady the last week. These yearlings, they were barely steady. We started seeing a few calves starting to show up. They sold to a strong demand. These 375 to 475 weed steer calves, they bring 255 to 272, with lots more calves showing up here again next week. We also have our pre-sorted yearling and calf sale, Tuesday, August 17th. Good cows, 77 to 85, sales right up to 88 and a quarter. These medium cows, they looked a little lower, maybe 68 to 77. The good bulls traded from $1.05 to 18, sales right up to 122 and 50. For more market information, give Heartland Livestock Moose Jaw a call at 692-2385. This is Grand Barnett reporting. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Jim, here's Josh Sigurdsson. And now, the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton, and Strasburg. The federal government says it has committed $100 million through the Agri-Recovery Disaster Relief Framework to helping farmers affected by drought in western Canada and parts of Ontario. The government says it's still working with provincial governments of B.C., Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Ontario to finalize the details of how payments will work, but sources tell Real Agriculture the first provincial announcements could come as soon as today. The federal announcement also removes some of the uncertainty about how disaster relief would proceed with the anticipation of a federal election campaign beginning shortly. On the markets today, the TSX is up 125 points at 20,500. The Dow is up 155 points at 35,219. Oil is down 58 cents at $68.51 US a barrel, and the Canadian dollar is down three one hundredths of a cent at 79.6 cents US. That's the resource report. If you missed any of the show today, tune into the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast, which is brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop production solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. For Jim Smalley, I'm Josh Shigginson. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.